0: So let's tell the government to get up out of churches We ain't choking no more, tell them our hopes in the Lord The time for speaking is past, it's time to open the doors Since you ain't got no right to tell us how to worship So let's tell the government to get up out of service We ain't choking no more, tell them our hopes in the Lord The time for speaking is past, so let's reopen the doors
1: Welcome friends, I am late. Hello Paula. I am late. I'm not going to lie to you. I got slightly distracted looking at tool belt accessories on on the internet. That is a new thing that happens cuz <clears throat> you know you're working at your job site and you're like, "Wow, how do I hold all of these things at once?" And tradespeople for many years have been strapping them to their belts. So, once you're kind of in that situation, you you kind of start getting into it. And there is some expensive stuff out there, let me tell you. I mean, it looks really nice. And, of course, it is in premium leather, which is uh, kind of my thing. So, M, (laughs) Justin, I know him. Yeah, wow. You know, anyone can go live on Facebook, so... Uh, It's not impressive. Uh, It's not impressive. I bought stuff to make it look more impressive, but it's really not. So I am not watching the Olympics. I am definitely paying more attention to the convoy. That being said, I'm not paying that much attention to the convoy. Unfortunately, (sighs) am I going to take my payout though? That is the interesting question. I think I am. I think that's the plan for me. We're going to move on from my past life at my old company and look forward to the future, you know? So, anyway, guys, I have a lot to cover. I'm starting late, as you know. Um, I want to go through Jason Kenny's public address yesterday, uh, and then I'm going to skip most of the question period and then go straight to his line of questioning. Because he got grilled pretty hard about the hashtag Honk Honk movement. And so, I just want to take a look at that. Um, But before that, please, guys, could you like and share? Could you like and share this video? Could you post it to your timelines? Whatever you have to do. Could you please go follow me on Twitter at, at Devastator48? And... On Instagram at Bro, here's the thing. I would really appreciate the help. Also, look me up on Rumble because if you want to view this after the fact, I would rather get the views on Rumble and support them instead of on YouTube or Facebook. So, someone is saying that we are now free in Alberta. I mean, a little bit. I mean, businesses can still discriminate on us. So, the first thing we did today because I had the day off because of wind levels. It's just one of those things that comes with a new job. Uh, we drove to Leduc and went to the Leduc coffee shop because they had their seating area closed this entire time. And that is the kind of business that I want to sit in first. The kind that has been closed since Jason Kenney brought in the REP. That's what I wanted to do. Yeah, this freezing of the funds thing is disgusting. There's so much stuff I could cover and I wanted to get to Justin Trudeau like a appearing to break down in Parliament, uh, but I haven't had time to watch all those videos, well, I shouldn't say that, I did have time, but I got, I got distracted, paying attention to other things, so, I, have got a lot to do, so let's, uh, let's bring up, let's bring up our best buddy, you know what, let's, um, adjust our hat, so we look cooler, right, um, maybe we'll get that going. Uh, I don't know if I like that. You know, what do we got? We'll go with this one. We'll go with this one. So where is he? Let's, let's get a look here.
0: Finland, a a number of uh, measures that are constitute a careful and prudent plan to remove Alberta's public health restrictions and move on from a widespread pandemic response to get our lives back to normal. Before sharing this plan with you, I- sounds good. I'd like to address some of the considerations that informed our decision today. First, it is clear that we passed the peak of Omicron.
1: In the words of the Instagram video from Newsrebel, "Honk, honk, honk!" I think we know it has informed your decision, man. Anyway, let's let's take a look.
0: On infections about three weeks ago, and are now seeing the result as COVID-related hospital admissions are declining. This is good news and broadly reflects the experience of other jurisdictions around the world when it comes to the Omicron variant. Uh, that's uh, why countries like England, Scotland, Ireland, Denmark, Sweden, Norway, South Africa, Finland, and many others have lifted all or almost all public health restrictions in recent weeks. It's also
1: All of a sudden we're uh, looking to other countries who are doing things different. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, the way we do things has changed. Keep that in mind.
0: Why a growing number of states across the United States have also announced the lifting of most public health measures, including mask mandates, such as the states of California, Connecticut, Delaware, and, Jersey, and New Jersey just in recent days. I note that the provinces of Saskatchewan and Quebec have followed suit with their own announcements earlier today. Alberta's active cases and rolling seven-day average of new cases has dropped steadily across the province from about 7,000 a day to approximately 2,000 a day, with total active cases falling from 55,000 to about 30,000 now. The positivity rate, that's the percentage of PCR tests that come back positive, has also continued to decline, and leading measures like wastewater surveillance has shown a general decrease. See, I do want to say that
1: keep this in mind. Nothing has changed with the way that they reason, with the way that they talk. You know, they're still talking about PCR tests like the relevant, for example. So keep that in mind. Just because someone has given us uh has given us this good news and you know, let us out of the worst restrictions or whatever. <clears throat> Keep in mind that he's still using that language like that. He is talking to us like we should believe that PCR tests actually do what they say they do, which is prove that you're
0: positive and sick crease in most regions of the province. And as I said, we see new COVID hospital admissions coming down another important leading indicator. It's also important to note that because Omicron is more transmissible than previous variants of COVID, it is infecting uh, more hospital patients who don't actually have severe COVID symptoms. So about 40% of patients in the hospitals who have tested positive for COVID are not actually being treated for COVID. They are what we call incidental cases. Now, they-
1: Unbelievable that they're just admitting this now. Unbelievable. It's just all out there, public, for you to know. But the people who still want restrictions are still not going to care about these numbers. It
0: can add some additional pressure to the system. Uh, but to put this in context, with about 1,500 overall uh, non ICU COVID patients, uh, actually only about 900 of them are being treated for COVID or COVID as a secondary condition. It has also and always been the government's approach to keep public health measures in place only so long as they are absolutely necessary to protect public health and our health care system. Throughout the pandemic, Alberta's policy response has always sought to avoid overwhelming our health system while minimizing the damaging impact of restrictions on the broader health of our society.
1: So you have sought to minimize. like. At one point, you had the worst restrictions in the country. There was a brief moment in time where that was true. You also were the toughest on uh, people resisting, weren't you? So it doesn't fly for us at all.
0: Earlier in the pandemic, when vaccine uptake was much lower, other treatments weren't available and testing was much harder to come by Uh, So more drastic government interventions were necessary to keep people safe.
1: So we had to coerce you by not letting you go into buildings and and restaurants um, to get those numbers up. And he says that over and over again, like it's totally reasonable that using coercion and force to get people vaccinated is just normal.
0: Me just pause to address what happened in alberta during the delta wave in august and september the reality is that we simply didn't have high enough vaccine rates nor did our neighbors in saskatchewan that's why we were hit harder
2: but all okay. of that has
0: changed now nine out of ten albertans over the age of 12 have some level of vaccine protection antiviral drug treatments to prevent severe disease and hospitalizations are now available and more will come on stream throughout the year ahead in other words, with what we know now about the virus and the tools we have to fight it, the threat of COVID-19 uh, to public health is uh, no, no longer outweighs the hugely damaging impact of health restrictions on our society, on people's mental health, on their emotional well-being, on uh, uh, the, our broader social...
1: Yeah, what has changed, Kenny? I think we know what has changed. Honk, honk. Honk, honk has changed. <laughs> Oh, uh-huh. health.
0: So now is the time to begin learning to live with COVID. Oh, these restrictions have Good. led to terrible division, yes, even amongst families and friends. Absolutely, and, uh, inflamed sometimes tensions in our communities and neighborhoods. They've disrupted and even destroyed so many livelihoods. We will never know. We'll never be able to do a full accounting of the...
1: You know, that's a good point. Um, Think about this. He said that early on there was no treatment, so we had to do vaccines. So that's another lie. We've known about other treatments, and you suppressed it and told us we were stupid for believing that they worked when there was evidence that they worked, and you wouldn't let us have them. Maybe not you specifically, Jason, but the government of Canada and Canadian governments across the board manipulated us and controlled us and told us that we couldn't experiment with other medicines that are legal, um, tested, and have been proven to be safe for other treatments. So if they're safe to take, we still weren't allowed to take them for this. So... At worst, they would do nothing, and at best, they might work. But no, no, we didn't have any treatment back then.
0: extent of the pain and hardship that restrictions have caused. But we do know some things. We know we have seen in Alberta and across the developed world a significant increase in uh, ch- uh, mental and emotional health challenges amongst children and, and adolescents, for example. We have seen an increase in domestic violence, Uh, we have seen the the failure of many businesses. And of course, uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, record high unemployment. And at uh, a time when the uh, the world should be wide open uh, uh, and full of possibility and hopefulness, uh, COVID and the restrictions associated with it have robbed thousands of young children with the simple joys of just being a kid. I was speaking to a young father the other day who told
1: all of a sudden he's acting like he cares now. I know he's talked about the kids a lot and yet that didn't stop them from doing what they wanted to do.
0: It didn't stop them. Told me that his 10-year-old daughter had spent 20% of her life under COVID health restrictions. We cannot remain at a heightened state of emergency forever. We have to begin to heal and so Alberta will move on, but we'll do so carefully. We'll do so prudently. We will do so only if it does not uh, threaten the capacity of our healthcare system.
1: See, there's always, there's always the chance of going back if the healthcare system is strained, right?
0: So, uh, our plan will involve three steps starting with easing restrictions on activities uh, and uh, situations that have been shown to be lower risk throughout the pandemic. The first starts with children and youth. Step one will remove almost all restrictions affecting children, including removing the mask mandate for all K-12 students effective this weekend. Outside of the school setting, kids 12 and under will now be exempt from the general mask mandate that will continue to apply in indoor settings for uh, a, a pr- approximately three weeks to come. As I have long said, kids have been subjected to a heavy and I think unfair burden throughout the pandemic. Uh, and it is uh, given the very low threat that COVID-19 poses.
1: Hey, just as a reminder, and I'm I'm not, uh, I'm not attacking anybody, but most of the restrictions on children involve them going to public school so if you think about that how do you solve that you take them out of public school that's
0: what you do to the health of children it is no longer justifiable after two long years to continue to disrupt and restrict the normal lives of kids it is time to let kids be kids and I am determined to ensure that should we ever have to come back to any kind of measures in the future god forbid that we will not affect the wellness the freedom and the normal lives of kids step one will also end the restriction exemption program in its entirety effective midnight tonight Uh, now Uh, This is... uh, I wanted to say this about the Restriction Exemption Program. We brought this in in September when...
1: I mean, look, I am happy to have gone to a a cafe today and sat in it. I'm not going to lie to you. It felt pretty good. Kind of emotional. And there there was lots of people sitting there eating today. And they're a place that hasn't been opened since they brought in the exemption program. So... I'm thankful that they exist.
0: Our health care capacity was under very severe stress, particularly in intensive care. And at the time, we saw that 90% of our new ICU admissions uh, were amongst unvaccinated people, and the province uh, was generally under-vaccinated relative to the rest of Canada. We simply had to do something urgent uh, to pre- uh, prevent a catastrophe in intensive care and in our hospitals generally. And we had to do something to get our vaccine rates up. And so we chose a measure that avoided shutting down businesses and uh, and places of worship, but allowed us to reduce transmission uh, while also uh, seeing a significant increase in vaccinations.
1: So, guys, the plan was to stop you from being able to do things so that you would take the shot under coercion. Now, it gets even better here right away.
0: We went from about uh, 75% vaccination rate to uh, now 90% on first dose, and about we went from 68% uh, to 87% second dose coverage. That has made a huge difference. It has saved many lives. And at the same time, we have seen a change in uh, transmissibility the reality is that with the high level of infectiousness of the Omicron variant, plus the waning protection from infection uh, of a second dose, most Albertans got their second dose eight, nine, or 10 months ago, uh, we have seen that the uh, that vaccinated individuals are still at a high risk of Omicron of infection. Not of severe outcomes, not of severe disease, but of infection. So the point...
1: So the vaccine, the V, doesn't protect you from Omicron. Um, the majority of all cases, obviously, if the ratio of the VED is much higher than the unVed, then of course some of that is going to account for that. But basically, he has just admitted that <clears throat> because the two doses aren't effective and it's not doing anything, then we can stop doing the REP because it doesn't work and it doesn't matter because everyone's just getting Omicron anyway, I guess,
0: is the argument. The point is simply this, that the restriction exemption program has served its useful purpose. It's done its job it is no longer leading to higher vaccination rates. In fact, we we have seen our vaccination rates effectively frozen since early December. And so our approach to COVID must change as the disease changes. And I believe that's exactly why the Chief Medical Officer for Canada, Dr. Tam, uh, recommended earlier this week that provinces re-examine programs like their proof of vaccination programs. That's exactly what we're doing with this decision. Finally, step 1 will remove capacity limits for all except large capacity venues of over 500 people. Minister Copin will provide further details on these measures. Now, following these uh phase 1 measures,
1: yeah, someone is saying in the comments that uh no one is at risk basically of of a bad outcome from Omicron. No one is. That's that's our point. And I think that he would
0: have to admit that if he were being honest, which obviously he's not going to be. We will take three weeks to carefully monitor trends with a focus on hospitalizations. If and only if, if we continue to see a downward trend in hospitalizations, we will then proceed to phase two. Our current target date for phase two is March the 1st at which point we plan to lift most remaining restrictions, including the indoor mask mandate, the requirement to work from home, and remaining capacity limits.
1: Remember that all your big cities will still have all this stuff in place
0: though, right? Following this stage, we will take more time to monitor trends, again with a focus on whether pressure on our hospital system is manageable. When it is safe to do so, we would then proceed to stage three, which would be to eliminate all remaining public health measures at that point. So let me add an important caveat. If the current trends reverse themselves, and if we see a significant and sustained increase in pressure on our hospitals, we may have to pause some of these measures.
1: Now, mm, he's not gonna contradict this, but I know when he gets questioned Um, He definitely makes it sound like there's no way we're going back on anything.
0: But we are determined to get our life.
1: And I know pausing isn't going back, but uh, I don't know. You know, he always just leaves room to go back on what he said, right?
0: Back to normal. Doing so in a way that ensures that a hospital bed is there for everyone who needs one. (laughs) And that is why a big part of the upcoming provincial budget later this month will be about increasing the capacity of Alberta's healthcare system. Because despite the uh, sometimes heroic efforts of our fantastic frontline health care professionals over the past two tough years, the same two years have spotlighted serious.
1: I just want to point out heroic efforts. Uh, do you remember all the TikTok videos? I mean, I don't think we should let the nurses forget about the TikTok videos, right? And like, if you're a nurse, like, all the power to you. I don't care. My point is, is all this hero talk and showing all these bruised faces and stuff, like, from the masks, it was very dramatized. And I think we start to forget that as we move away from, especially the initial part of the pandemic. We forget that. And, We can't forget that we can't forget that they were making videos and having a good time and that hospitals were completely empty where they were saying they were full
0: shortcomings in the Canadian healthcare system, which we simply must address beginning with the federal government paying for its share of an increasingly costly and complex modern healthcare system with an aging population. So I very much hope that today's long awaited, uh, optimism, uh, and, uh, this announcement, rather, gives a sense of optimism and hope to Albertans. I know that some will say this is uh, too much change, and that we are moving too fast. But please, not fast in- enough, buddy. Have the benefit of a few of a few weeks being behind a few weeks. In
1: fact, there's a bunch of guys at the border of the U.S. that don't think this is fast enough at all. In fact, they think it's so pathetic that they re-blocked the border completely. Right?
0: Of other jurisdictions, such as uh, the United Kingdom, and We can watch what happens as they return to a regular way of life. For example, in Britain, most restrictions have been dropped as the Omicron wave has subsided. And aside from uh, masking in high-risk settings, such as acute care and uh, mandatory isolation for people with COVID, there are no other countrywide mandates in Britain. Cases and hospitalizations for COVID are continuing to drop there.
1: Okay, guys, I'd love to listen to this whole thing. Uh, I want to jump ahead because it is exactly what you think, and you can go listen to the whole thing for yourself. I want to jump to the questions where he starts getting grilled. Um, Because he gets a little bit spicy here. Uh, He gets a little bit spicy. Oh, we're good.
3: Uh, Kieran love with the Toronto Star, thanks for taking my question. This is for the uh, Premier. Um, Premier, we've got reports that uh, your own MLAs have been negotiating or trying to negotiate with blockaders down at Coutts. Um, you're also facing criticism that a lot of the moves that you're making right now and the policy decisions are being driven more by pressure on your government from that blockade. How do you reconcile those two things? You've got MLAs who are talking with blockaders and perhaps negotiating with them and critics who say that especially the restrictions exemption program being uh, cancelled at this point is due to pressure on you from that blockade. How do you reconcile those two things?
0: Well, they don't need to be reconciled uh, because they're not true. First of all, Kieran, uh, nobody on behalf of the government of Alberta has been negotiating with anybody engaged in illegal actions and uh, our
1: You know how I know you're an Ottawa elitist? Because you say negotiate instead of negotiate. Uh, Especially, like, it sounds even more condescending when someone has just used the term negotiate to you. And you respond by saying, uh, we haven't negotiated with anybody. It just sounds even more pretentious, honestly
0: solicitor acting solicitor general minister of justice uh, sonia savage has made it clear uh, to all members of government caucus that uh, uh, they do not and cannot uh, negotiate on behalf of the government of alberta and having said that there are albertans involved in that protest who have mlas and i understand that they've been calling and contacting their mlas and talking to them and mlas have responsibility to listen to their constituents um, that is not negotiating it is elected representatives listening to their constituents with respect to the blockade the minister savage and the rcmp held a news conference to provide a situation update this afternoon Uh, as i've said consistently we welcome uh, free uh, the freedom of people to protest lawfully and peacefully Uh, but this is not a lawful protest Uh, this and other road blockages constitute a a safety hazard uh, a serious interference in the, the lives of others it does economic mm. damage in this case particularly for rancher
1: him and J. R. Uh, and justin trudeau have both been saying the same thing that this is uh causing a massive problem in people's daily lives and hindering the economy oh oh you don't like uh you don't like uh, a small group of people deciding uh How the whole province and how the whole country goes, you don't like that all of a sudden. All of a sudden, that's a problem for you when it's not you. Um, Some of us lost our jobs because of your stupid rules. Some of us lost our $100,000 salary jobs um, that they can't get back. I don't want to go back, but some of us, some of us want to go back and they might even get to go back. I'm not going back, but... It's pretty easy to sit there and talk about the economic damage caused by a small group of people. Uh, I I just, not not that it's easy easy to talk about isn't really the right way to phrase it. It's just the lack of self-awareness or the lack of caring that you are saying something that is so ironic is pathetic. It makes me sick, honestly, that that these guys can stand there and say these things about this trucker convoy saying that it's affecting people's daily lives? How dare you? How dare you say
0: that? Farmers and uh, agri-food producers. Um, I would point out to those involved in the blockade, I think there are about 38 trucks, uh, um, I should say semi-trucks, at the Coots border cross scene itself. Uh, but uh, we have some three hundred thousand.
1: 000... Oh yeah, it's just thirty-eight truckers that, that that care. They're the whole one. They're the only. They're the only people uh, that are supporting this thing. Is the thirty-eight truckers? Forget the twelve million dollars or whatever it is that's being sent to truckers to support them in Ottawa, right? Uh <laughs> oh, yeah, and like everywhere I go, there's people flying Canadian flags, and now there's tons of jerry cans everywhere, and everyone knows what it means. But, uh, but yeah, it's just 38 truckers on the border here. We'll rewind it in a second.
0: I would point out to those involved in the blockade, I think there are about 38 trucks, uh, um, I should say semi-trucks at the Coots Border Crossing itself, uh, but uh, we have some 300,000 Albertans with trucking licenses and about 60,000 commercial trucks that are licensed for operation in Alberta. So something like 99.99 percent of truckers and trucks are not involved uh, in that protest and in fact uh, that blockade all it does is inconvenience thousands of law-abiding truckers who are just trying to make a living who now have to go to one of the three other uh, ports of entry uh, between alberta and montana so we would ask those folks to uh, to stop the blockade we uh, expect the rcmp to enforce the law they are responsible for the operational tactics and how that is done, we respect uh, their uh, delegated authority in that respect. Uh, in terms of the eliminating the restriction exemption program, as I pointed out, Karen, uh, first of all, I think on-
1: Hong Kong,
0: December 28th, our COVID cabinet committee uh, came to a unanimous view uh, that we should lift the restriction exemption program
1: Ruth asks, does Kenny still drive a truck? Yeah, he has, I believe he still has his blue Dodge Ram uh, that is very similar to mine, actually. Uh, His is nicer, but uh, it's the same color. So I believe he still has it. He brought it to like some kind of big rally there a
0: while ago. As soon as it was feasible to do so, because the case for it was simply no longer uh, as compelling as when it was introduced in September. Uh, the program is no... So hold
1: on. you got to listen to the logic behind this. The case for the restriction exemption program is no longer compelling, and he's about to say why. So pay attention. I'm going to try, try and listen as well, uh, listen as good as possible.
0: No longer serving a useful and compelling purpose. I could not stand in front of Albertans tonight and justify a, a continuation of a program that has done its job
1: let's talk the fact that you think that you ever could justify it is the problem right that is the problem the fact that you think you ever could that there was ever grounds for doing what you're doing and what you've done
0: job uh the restriction exemption program helped to see vaccination (laughs) rates go from as I say, on the first dose, from about 78% to 90%. On second dose, from about 68% to 87%. But those vaccine rates have been frozen now uh, since um, early mid-December. So we've seen a virtually no movement on that front. And what we do see now is um, with the infectiousness of Omicron and with the waning uh, protection of second doses from Uh, infection and and mild disease uh, what we have seen is that uh, the initial
1: I would like to stop and thank Paula for sending me a PayPal Uh, very grateful thank you for that gift Um, if you'd like to donate the link in the there's a link in the description of this video to the streamlabs. Um it actually does fill up that little chart if you go through streamlabs. If you're in Canada, you can directly contact my my email, but uh, honestly, use the streamlabs thing. It's fun. Fills up my little chart and it kind of shows you uh how I'm doing. So, I right, thank you for that, Paula. Anyway, we'll carry on. Uh, I'm going to go back just a hair though.
0: Protection of second doses from uh, infection and and mild disease, Uh, what we have seen is that uh, the initial purpose of of reducing transmission and high risk discretionary social activities is no longer today what it was in September. So we have to follow the data and not just blindly ignore it. Uh, Finally, Karen, what we're doing here is somehow a response to protest. Then why has England, Ireland, Denmark, uh, Sweden, Finland.
1: Uh, well, I know England, uh, they just... Uh, aren't. All these countries are doing their own convoys, right? I don't know about all the other ones he's named, but he brings up Sweden. Did he bring up Sweden? Does he have the audacity to bring up Sweden? Sweden has never had tough restrictions ever.
0: Social activities is no longer today what it was in September. So we have to follow the data and not just blindly ignore it around too much sorry. Uh, if what we're doing here is somehow a response to protest then why has england ireland denmark sweden finland norway south africa now saskatchewan quebec done the same thing why are u.s states that have had harder lo- much harder lockdowns <sighs> than alberta over the past two years like California,
1: because all the people are sick of it and the government knows that they have to dial it back now and give us a break that's what's happening and it's amazing that across north america it is happening all in conjunction which is is a little honestly it's a little uh, it's a little disturbing it kind of freaks me out a bit
0: new jersey connecticut delaware and many others why are they right now lifting all or most measures None of that has to do anything with a few trucks uh, parked uh, uh, at the Coots border crossing. All of it has to do with the fact that the disease is changing, and so the approach that we take to manage it should change as well.
3: And uh, can you detail a little bit what this means for the program in the future? Is this program something that is is completely off the table now in terms of you know future iterations of the virus? um it you know is it just on the shelf and something that you could quickly re-implement should there be a surge in infections and and death and some of the horrible things that we saw during the delta wave or is this something that you
0: you you will never bring back yeah i don't think you're you're uh, you're either not listening to, to what i'm saying kieran or you're not aware of the data the data is this that uh in canada right now uh unvaccinated people are uh, all, almost as likely excuse me, I should say vaccinated people are almost as likely as unvaccinated people uh, to uh, experience a breakthrough infection.
1: You know, he said it. He actually just said that. He's admitting that for Omicron, at least, that the shot doesn't really do anything.
0: Um, now,
1: he just it admitted is critical it.
0: to add that the vaccines are hugely effective at preventing severe outcomes. Got to make sure you say that part. And death. And that's why we continue to implore the un- folks who have not yet been vaccinated to get that, in- that safe and effective protection. But a program originally designed to reduce okay. transmission amongst unvaccinated people doesn't make sense in a context where we have such a high level of, of breakthrough infections. So-,
1: so because there's so many infections among the vaxxed, I guess is what he's saying that we can turn off the restriction exemption program because everybody's getting Omicron anyway.
0: This is the data. This is the reality. And this is why jurisdictions around the world are now rolling up their proof of vaccination programs. It is why Dr. Tam said that provinces should re-examine proof of vaccination. Pro-
1: when uh, Teresa Tam is saying to maybe take a look at uh easing off restrictions i am suspicious i am very very suspicious of this programs
0: uh i think she said that on saturday um so no I, I don't think that this program can serve any useful purpose in controlling uh spread now or in the future unless unless we were to uh redefine a, a full vaccination as having had three shots because we do know that that third shot, the booster shot, uh, having been more recent, uh,
1: so they will bring it back in if they make the third shot count as fully vaccinated. If the third shot counts as fully vaccinated, they'll bring in the restrictions again. So let's just wait for that.
0: And also probably inducing a stronger overall.
1: All I can say to that is honk honk.
0: The immune response is, is uh, still somewhat effective at preventing breakthrough infections. So the only way that a proof of vaccination program would make any practical sense would be to, as I say, make a requirement that people get a third shot. We're only at 43% um, third shot coverage. Yeah, no
1: one wants it because it's not mandatory and we're sick of it. So
0: that's 60% of the population that would not be eligible to participate in discretionary activities. And then what happens if we see six or 12 months from now, waning protection from breakthrough infections from a third shot that do we would we then modify the program to require that people have a fourth shot i think it's quite likely that
1: he talks about that like it's ridiculous like that it could never happen but remember they talked about mandatory vaccines like it was ridiculous and it could never happen they talked about shutting everything down until people had their shots like it was ridiculous so him acting like it's ridiculous should scare us
0: uh for the rest of our lives yeah are probably going to need that's to take an annual, what i'm worried about uh COVID shot much like the annual flu shot every year it will so be no endless that be is yes that is what we're worried about um, jason uh flu vaccine that is made available and that is quite possible uh, for COVID, are we are we then going to attach this? Is this going to become a permanent feature of our lives? That is what
1: we're worried about. Yeah, it's
0: completely implausible. So okay, um, I the hope so. Exemption program has served its useful purpose. It's done its job. We thank everybody who's cooperated with it. We thank all of the the businesses and organizations uh, who have uh, incurred a lot of costs and inconvenience uh, to um, uh, to to roll out the program. We will continue to make the uh, QR code available to those who need to download it if they are going to other provinces which require a provincially issued proof of of complete vaccination or if they are getting on a flight and uh, federal regulations require that they provide a provincially issued proof of vaccination. So we will continue to provide that as a convenience uh, but again uh, at this point it serves no useful purpose and I cannot see that changing.
3: Thank you Premier. Operator, can you please put through our first caller.
0: Thank you, Kelly Krederman, Globe and Mail.
1: So the the next two questions are are, are pretty great as well. So I'm going to try, I think we're going to go over an hour today. That's just how it's going to have to be. Hi there, Premier. Um, if this decision is based um,
0: completely on the data and what is happening, why, why end the program at midnight tonight in such a dramatic fashion
1: i mean it makes a great question
0: restaurants and other public venues a chance to adapt to the new rules as is the case for other parts of this plan well there are no new rules and i think it would be a bit of a mug's game kelly to say keep this going for a few days uh, when we know that in many areas we're already having compliance problems <laughs> uh, i think it would just invite uh very widespread non-compliance for no useful purpose
1: Uh, so shut it down because we're already having compliance problems so what is okay i'll I'll wait till it's done
0: um we are at a stage where it's clear our vaccine numbers on first and second dose are frozen i mean they they go up by a few thousand a day but uh there's been no meaningful increase now since uh, well before christmas so uh, the REP is, is no longer making any uh, measurable difference on the vaccination rates. And as I've said, with the data about breakthrough infections, um, they, the idea of using a program like this to reduce transmission um, in discretionary uh, activities is, is no longer relevant either.
1: So the main reason that they brought in the REP was to get shot rates up. That's what he said, and he also said restrictions are useless if no one is complying.
0: So we're just uh, stating the obvious and acting on that. Um, Maybe a different way of asking your question, Kelly, is why? Why, why did it take us this long? Uh, the United Kingdom, great uh, question. So I England, the uh, English public health brought in their proof of vaccination program. Uh, I believe as they started to enter the Omicron wave in late November, early December, and then they announced that they were repealing it about three weeks ago in mid-January, once they were coming off the Omicron peak. Uh, They've continued to see cases decline. And uh, those other countries I mentioned, which were hit early by Omicron, um, any one of those countries that had a proof of vaccination program, they've all repealed them as well. So I think uh, per Dr. Tam's comments this past weekend, I think that is going to become the norm uh, throughout the world.
3: And Kelly, do you have a follow-up?
1: Yes,
2: um, but we are, Alberta is the first province to make this move of completely getting rid of the proof of vaccine system. Does that give you some pride? Do you think that matches with public sentiment as we're I think this part is pretty
1: awesome. Pretty uh, telling, I mean. For living with restrictions at this point in the pandemic.
0: Well, I'll say this, that um, it's not about pride. It's just about being practical and realistic. We we think the program has served its useful purpose. Uh, It uh, it really did help us to um, prevent the worst possible outcomes from the Delta wave and from Omicron. It got our vaccine rates up. There's no doubt that that alone has saved perhaps hundreds of lives. So I'm not dismissing
1: you. allowed and forced businesses to discriminate against a population in a province of four and a half million people because it saved hundreds of lives. You think hundreds, a fraction of a percent, every life lost, is
0: sad hundreds of lives you did this for how dare you the, the utility the necessity of the program when it was introduced it was a difficult decision as you know um in the spring of last year every canadian government including prime minister trudeau were uh dismissing the idea of introducing proof of vaccination programs for all sorts of <sighs> obvious reasons but we all found ourselves in a situation as we moved into the Delta wave, where we had to to use every tool at our disposal. And for Alberta, at least, it was an alternative to widespread uh, lockdowns and shutdowns of businesses uh, and community organizations. So um, it was a tough uh, and 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 undoubtedly controversial decision, but it was a necessary one. But now, as I say, we have to read the writing on the wall. This is no longer serving a uh, compelling, public health purpose and uh, in terms of being the first well I guess Saskatchewan will follow us this coming weekend so uh, we're close to that and I see
1: by the way Saskatchewan got rid of all restrictions at once it's amazing
0: that Quebec just announced today that they are lifting over the course of the next um, three or four weeks Oops. Uh, virtually all of their public health measures uh, so uh, I think you'll see this become a, a fairly widespread uh, trend quite quickly here Thank you. Premier. Oh, can I just say you asked about public sentiment? I'm sorry, Justin. Um, so I do think that we have seen in recent weeks, a fairly significant shift in public, uh, tolerance.
1: This is as close as he's going to admit that the trucker convoy, uh, changed plans for them. So this is really what I wanted to get to
0: of damaging public, of damaging health restrictions and um, you know those of us who are elected folks we it's it's our jobs to listen to people and uh, we hear from our constituents we also see public opinion research some done by our government a lot of it done by media organizations and it's all pointing in the same direction which is that Canadians certainly Albertans are increasingly are losing patience with two years of the disruption of their lives And are asking uh, leaders to find a way to move forward.
1: So, guys, what's he saying? He's saying that because we are showing that we will no longer follow restrictions, they are dropping the restrictions. So, if you've been wearing a mask for no reason knowing that it's a lie for the last year and a half will give you you're part of the reason why it kept on going everybody who went and got shots even though they didn't want to you helped keep this going if there was non-compliance at the start, they wouldn't have kept it going because they couldn't have. He just said it. They could only go, they can only go for as long as people are willing to comply. And we were willing to comply for two years. So if you believe that, say, masks weren't the hill to die on. So let's say a business is not going to do the REP. But they're forcing you to wear masks still. Well, well, that wasn't the hill to die on. No, it was. He just proved it. He just told you that masks were, in fact, the hill to die on, especially out in public. Look, I get it. You need to keep your job, whatever. But as a free citizen walking around, come on. Come on. He said it. Oh, my goodness. Laura says, we know what you are thinking, and here is the answer to your questions. Know this. Canada has absolutely zero jurisdiction over how we manage our funds here at Give, Send, Go. All funds for every campaign on Give, Send, Go flow directly to the recipients of those campaigns, not least of which is the Freedom Convoy campaign. Thanks for your concern, but this recipient is receiving funds. Donate to Freedom Convoy, 2022 campaign is. Oh, what was. Uh, oh, did you write something first there? I might have missed something. So, that's my point, guys. Is he? 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 He admitted it. He admitted it that they can only go as long as the public tolerates it, and yet we tolerated it for two years
0: safely, but to get life back. Normal, you know. Uh, there's a um, epidemiologist at Oxford University.
1: This is a Dr. Amazing. Ali
0: Raghub, who I follow, and he uh, said, I think quite insightfully, that uh, public health restrictions that are opposed by the majority of the population do not have a meaningful impact. This is a point I've tried to make consistently.
1: What did he just say? If it's opposed by the majority of the populace, they have no impact. Costco, when they first brought in masks, should have been boycotted. Everyone should have walked out, canceled their memberships. If Costco would have been a ghost town before restrictions were brought in by governments then the government would have known that the populace is not stupid enough to fall for this. But we all lined up at Costco to get our two liter bottles of sweet chili sauce and our oversized jumbo bags of Ruffles chips, right? We all had to make sure that we ha- all the people that have to buy in bulk we all had to make sure that we could afford our groceries. And we wore masks into Costco and we didn't do what we needed to do, which is shut down Costco. I canceled my membership to Costco. And you know what? I did it right off the bat. As soon as they said it was going to be mandatory, we went in and we canceled. I have a friend that melted his on Facebook with a flamethrower, well, with a hand torch. But instead, we all capitulated and we showed the government that we were willing to deal with this for two years. Now, I am happy that people are finally catching up, but this should be a lesson for us. If you want stupid restrictions to never come back the next time they try to bring them back for any reason, you resist them immediately and they will not be able to impose them.
0: That's it about the responsibility of um, our cabinet to make a a difficult judgment call at each each stage of COVID about the public's willingness uh, to comply. And when we see that willingness break down, um, what's the point of measures if there's widespread uh, non-compliance?
1: the willingness should have broken down immediately, right?
0: It's not the primary reason we're doing this, but that is part of the context, and I think responsible leaders need to be mindful of that.
1: He just he just said it. He just told us what's up. He did. So, good stuff. Anyway, guys, okay, I'm done with him. Uh, wow, I have five minutes to an hour, so yeah, we're definitely going over, but that's okay. So, guys, actually... I want to tell you guys something, uh, had a little bit of a miracle happen to me. Um, I mean, it's not a miracle. It's just how the human body functions and it's amazing, but I stabbed a nail straight through my hand. Um, and, uh, went right through clean through bleeding on both sides. Um, it was amazing. Um, it hurt a lot. Now this is the hand this happened on Monday. So You can kind of see that my knuckle is discolored. That's where it went through my hand. Uh, It's called an insulating nail. Well, that's what I'm calling it. And it's a nail with adhesive and it, uh, you stick it to the wall. And when you're packing, um, insulation onto the walls, it helps it stick. Now I hadn't used the nails up until this point. So I was just packing the way I had been, I had already taught myself to do it. And I just smashed my hand through it really quick. And it felt like a pop and then it was hot. And I thought to myself, oh no, did I just traumatize my hand? And I looked and I said, oh no, I went, I I bet I went right through my hand. So I pulled it off and I, blood everywhere. It was terrible. I had to go to the doctor, whatever. It doesn't matter. The point is, is a long, thin nail, like bigger than a syringe, but not as thick as what you're thinking a, a big nail would look like. Okay. Now check this out. You can see that my knuckle is discolored. So that hole right there is where it went in. You can see it's like a little pinhole. And that is the exit hole on the back of my knuckle. And look, did you see how close that is to all the bones and nerves that would be in the knuckle? Look at, look at God protected my hand the other day. <laughs> and I am very thankful for that. Cause I'm playing bass. Like I'm upstairs playing bass, you know, already. And I got a nail stuck through my hand three days ago. So that was kind of an amazing thing. If you're listening to this on audio, I'm just shaking my fingers at the screen right now. It's amazing. Anyway, um, you can't see it, but that is what happened to me. No nerve damage, nothing. The hand is completely fine. In fact, when I came back to work and I showed the guy who, who I had to like yell down to, to get help, um, He thought I was pretending that, and that it was the other hand. I was like, no man, it's both. I did this, right? I showed him that it was both hands. So, uh, some might say lucky. Some might say God's providence. Some might say God was protecting my hand. I don't know. You, you be the judge. You tell me in the comments what you think happened. I don't know. Anyway, guys. So that was cool. Um, it was amazing. But so the next thing I want to do is a cold viewing. And, um, it's a cold viewing of an MP from the liberal party who is turning against, uh, his own people. And we're going to listen to that right now. I haven't listened to this. I don't know what he's going to say. Um, and so I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm putting it up. Oh, you know what? Let's cover this right now though. Sarah says, I am suspicious of all these mandates being lifted uniformly at the same time. You know, when, tam advocates for it. something sinister is up i agree i do not trust them at all
2: anyway let's let's listen to this guy they're confused when they see countries around the world like ireland sweden norway switzerland the czech republic israel denmark spain and the uk who have either dropped almost all restrictions or are fast moving in that direction all countries i note with lower vaccination rates than us Now, while folks are hearing and seeing all of this, they're left rightfully wondering where the hell are we heading here in Canada. I think there lies the frustration. They feel there is no appetite from our government to adapt so as to reflect the changing data and the changing reality of the pandemic. I've sped him up so we can get through it a little quicker. End of the world. They're worried that measures which ought to be exceptional and limited in time are being normalized with no end in sight like vaccine passports, mandates and requirements for travelers. They're worried because they feel they feel it is becoming harder and harder to know where public health stops and where politics begins. Now I firmly believe governments would do well not to dismiss these legitimate concerns and not to demonize those who voice them. To the contrary, I believe these concerns need to be addressed head on and here are some ways I humbly submit we could go about it. First, I believe the government should provide quickly a roadmap with clear and measurable targets to lift all restrictions within its purview. To be clear, I do not necessarily believe that all measures should be lifted immediately, but I do believe that we must have a clear and measurable benchmark for when measures will be... So this guy,
1: definitely not a conservative. But he wants a roadmap from the federal government.
2: That's fair. Lifted. Something. For instance, at what point can we lift restrictions while respecting the capacity of the province's healthcare systems? Second, I believe that if more and more Canadians find it hard to comply with the restrictions, it's not because they lack solidarity. It's because increasingly Canadians don't understand the measures, and they don't understand them because governments no longer care to explain them. It's a lot easier to comply when you understand, particularly when these restrictions impact your day-to-day life. The vaccine requirement for truckers, to me, is a good example. And if we forget about the demonstrations, and we forget about the convoy for just a second, and look at that policy for what it is. This is a policy that now goes against the World Health Organization's recommendation, and for which no epidemiological studies and projections have been provided. Meanwhile, the industry is clear. When this measure took effect, the price of transport for fresh products from the United States went up by 15 to 20% on average. Now, I understand there are many factors contributing to inflation, but inflation happens over time, not overnight. This is not a small consequence.
1: So, I mean, you have a liberal putting out a reasonable approach. I mean, he's liberal, so it's not going to be anything we want, but at least he's got some kind of thought process on how to open, right? So that's good. I mean, I'll give him credit on that. Um I don't know if they're going to use uh, restrictions in the same way. I don't think they're going, or not, not, not. Uh, sorry, I don't think they're going to use uh, outbreaks in the same way. I think that they know that they can use anything now uh, as a reasonable, justifiable thing for outbreaks. I think that's what we're going to see. Like, I think that they could have climate climate lockdowns. If the weather's not to their liking or something like I, th- it could be anything now. That's what I think. Um, so, uh, go check him out. It's called uh, liberal MP rebukes his own party over COVID-19 pandemic. If you type liberal MP rebukes his own party over COVID-19, you will, uh, you'll get it. You can go see the full video. Um, I'm going to try to get through this stuff. Hmm. So guys, uh, someone just brought it to my attention that you can get full legacy standard Bibles on the GTY Canada website. Um, they're hardcover. They kind of look like, uh, like simulated leather over hardcover. They're 50 bucks in Canada and you can, I they ship, they ship immediately. So they have full Bibles in stock From Grace to You. I don't know what size it is. Um, It's not the same as the ones from the LSB website. So I don't even know what the inside of this Bible looks like. I assume it's the same layout as the handy size. I don't know if it's the full size or not. I know nothing. I know nothing about this Bible. But you can buy a hardcover LSB from the GTY Canada website. So go check that out. Now... Moving on, and this is a big one for me. Um, there's a lady who comments often. I would consider her a friend, even though we've never met in person. Heck, I just found out what her voice sounds like um, because I watched a video of her. Now, she has given me permission to put this on this live stream, and I'm actually going to have her come on, and we're going to talk about her testimony at some point, and maybe a bonus episode because that is just how it's going to have to work. And she left the charismatic movement, she left the Word of Faith side of Christianity, and now attends a Baptist church in Saskatchewan uh, because of all the COVID craziness. And I thought that it would it's important that you guys see this testimony um, that you guys see this testimony from the beginning, because I think it's amazing. And I think she's here right now. And, um, I shared it with my pastor's wife and, you know, the crying face emoji came back. And honestly, I don't know. I I don't know how this, it could be a rough one because this one gets me. It gets me. And that's her husband. He just gave his. You can go watch his as well at the fellowshipbaptistchurch.ca website.
4: Wow. (laughs) Thank you, Matthew. The goodness of the Lord is overwhelming, isn't it? I mean, I can't listen to these testimonies without becoming completely undone. And I can honestly say I never expected to step foot in a Baptist church, let alone be baptized in one. (laughs) So my name is Laura Rozeski, and my husband Matthew and I have been attending Fellowship Baptist since February of this year. I'm not going to stand in front of you and pretend like coming to this decision to be baptized.
1: Sorry, I wanted to address uh, the question from Ruth. No, I believe there in Saskatoon or Regina either way i reached out to her to ask um about something in in Yorkton and and she didn't we we don't have any information i'm sorry if you know of a solid church around the Yorkton Saskatchewan area could you please contact me so i can pass on the information to Ruth in the comments and i'll put her comment up there
4: was easy because it wasn't I had actually wrestled with it for months as I was baptized before and this whole burying your soul publicly thing is it's hard and I knew what I had to say was going to be offensive so maybe I could get out of it and still be okay except I couldn't shake it my conscience wouldn't have it The stark reality of what I was involved with prior to coming here required an answer. When I was about 15, I became part of a Pentecostal church through youth group. For a kid who was raised Catholic, this Pentecostal deal was way more fun. Except what 15-year-old me didn't know was that that experience would almost ruin my life. But for the grace of God. What I was exposed to was a different gospel and a different Jesus, one they call the Holy Spirit. Although I was actually water baptized many years later in a different church, it was into such a mixture of truth and heresy that I'm choosing to be baptized again as I seek to honor and obey Christ as King and his word in highest esteem through the complete, inerrant, enclosed canon of scripture when i was a kid seeing adults dancing around having a great old time speaking in tongues which i was told was the special connection to god i wanted that yes i found it weird but i was told that this is the baptism of the holy spirit and tongues are the evidence so one night at youth group i knelt at the altar and a leader laid hands on me. It felt like something came in me, and without effort or trying, indecipherable sounds came pouring out of my mouth. It felt strange. I, I couldn't control it. Now, over the years, I would have a thought from time to time that maybe it was, in fact, demonic, but I brushed it off. Speaking in supernatural languages was as common in my world as brushing your teeth. Please notice that water baptism was never offered to me. There was no discipleship. In fact, the first Christian video I ever watched was about Jesse Duplantis' supposed trip to heaven. Like so many false converts, I eventually fell away. And I was wild. After getting completely sick of myself and my immoral lifestyle, I eventually went back to church for good. I made some new friends and I got really involved. Everything was totally different now. It wasn't just waving your arms around and speaking in tongues. The music changed. The services changed. There's supernatural schools now. Prophetic words, dreams and visions, obsessive fasting, and long messages on tithing to ensure we weren't robbing God. There were soaking sessions and constant talk of new seasons and moves of the Spirit. The Great Commission was replaced by healings, miracles, deliverance, signs and wonders. I'll just let the Word of God speak for itself. Jeremiah 14:13 and 14 says, Then I said, Ah, Lord God, behold, the prophets, speaking of the false prophets, say to them, You shall not see the sword, nor have famine, but I will give you assured peace in this place. And the Lord said to me, The prophets are prophesying lies in my name. I did not send them, nor did I command them or speak to them. They are prophesying to you a lying vision worthless divination and the deceit of their own minds see here's the truth here's the offense there are only two religions in the world there's Bible believing Christianity and everything else and that everything else category all has the same author it ranges from the occult New Age Eastern religions to false churches They all operate on secret knowledge equals power. It's the same lie in the garden told by Satan that your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. We were taught that we too have creative power to speak things into existence and control our destiny. What's so dangerously deceptive and clever about false churches is that there's enough truth that if it were possible, even the elect would be deceived. Look, you guys, my story isn't unusual. This is mainstream now, and a reflection of our culture with itching ears that denies the reality that indeed all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, 2 Timothy 3.12. Now, I do have to say, there is enough truth in some of these churches that people do get saved. The Holy Spirit is strong enough to save, even through the mire, and he is strong enough to deliver them out of deception. If Pastor Steve hadn't opened as a church, in obedience to Christ if pastor james didn't go to jail if faithful men hadn't stood we never would have come here i did read my bible sometimes and i knew hebrews 10:25 and that we were supposed to gather i never read about a loophole for a virus i was completely shocked and confused by my church capitulating when i saw other men standing and even going to prison In December, my church announced yet again they were kowtowing to the government, and I was done. I knew then that the repentance I longed to see in my pastor wasn't going to happen. You know, I would actually check the church Facebook page and website every single day to see if he would change his mind. He didn't. I felt abandoned, tormented even. I started praying constantly that the Lord would show me the truth. No matter the cost, no matter if it rocked my world or shifted my paradigm, I had become very caught up in all the prophetic words that didn't come to pass over a certain politician in the states. The world had just gotten scarier and I couldn't make sense of it. I prayed, and this is no word of a lie. That the Lord would find us a church where the pastor had gotten in trouble for opening in obedience to Christ (laughs) I actually didn't know when I came here that two weeks prior you had in fact gotten into big trouble (laughs) praise God oh I tried to leave my flesh screaming that I was grieving the Holy Spirit so I contacted another local assembly which happened to be a plant of the Toronto blessing, saying that I was looking for a spirit-filled church. However, they would deny me entry. So I came back here and I saw the picture of the young elevator in the bathroom. Well, I live near Young. I drive by that elevator almost every day. Being a well-trained charismatic, this is a sign. Well, I was honestly bewildered that the Lord would place me in a Baptist church. <laughs> I guess I'll stay. You know, the picture. <laughs> the unraveling began. I could see. I could see God is holy. He is to be worshipped, to be revered. He is judge and his justice is both perfect and certain. Who am I to think my words have creative power, that I would dare to decree and declare and fast and tithe my way into manipulating the creator of heaven and earth? No, God is sovereign over all, and he will not be mocked. I am nothing but a wretched sinner. I was an imposter going from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. A Pharisee asking for a sign. I used the word of God vainly in hopes that it would bring me more money and an easier life. But truthfully, I was frustrated, angry, and abusive. But my Lord Jesus, Save me, only by his grace, from the certain wrath of God, from the penalty of my sins, by faith alone as a gift from him. No one was able to snatch me out of his hand. It's so simple, yet like the great cloud of witnesses that have gone before us, it will cost us everything. Peace, peace I leave you, peace I give you, not as the world gives do I give to you when fears are still when striving cease oh I make mistakes my flaws are many I am just a sinner saved by grace set free indeed by the son who helps me love and obey a slave to sin no longer I don't need the lights the music the experiences and fickle feelings I we need faithful preaching of the word i sit and wonder hearing the proper exegesis of scripture ironing out all the twisted words i heard for so long i wish i could convey with justice what we have here it is a treasure a gift sweet and pure anything but the dead church with the religious spirit i was warned about on this side the holy spirit is indeed at work here. He is working through imperfect people, living out the greatest commandment, seeking to love God by obeying Him, loving one another and serving one another as the need arises. I see husbands and wives fiercely standing by each other, bravely refusing to violate their conscience, even if they could lose it all. In a church family here, with open arms, ready to take care of one another. And we would have none of this without brave and faithful men who refuse to hand the keys of the church to Caesar. This is at the expense of their own reputation, jailing, even their very lives for the sake of the bride of Christ, his church. You teach us Christ is worthy. And i thank you i thank you for your obedience and faithfulness so today i want to be obedient and be baptized i love you all so much thank you
1: so guys um if you are uh in the charismatic uh mindset or word of faith mindset um, that um, testimony is probably going to be deeply offensive to you but we have to be reminded we have to remember that um, that the Bible warns that people will come in with false signs false prophecies and twist the pure message of the gospel. And so what we need to do is read Jude, for example, and just deal with what it says. Now, I'm going to try to read this as fast as possible. I have a physical Bible here. But let's look at what Jude says, starting at uh, verse 4. What you'll see is that Jude wanted to write about their common salvation, but he had to instead write this letter warning about false teachers. So we'll pick it up in verse four. It says for certain persons have crept in unnoticed. Those who were long beforehand marked out for this condemnation, ungodly persons who turn the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. Now I want to remind you, though you know all things, that Jesus, having once saved a people out of the land of Egypt, subsequently destroyed those who did not believe. And angels who did not keep their own domain, but abandoned their proper abode, he has kept in eternal bonds under darkness for the judgment of the great day. Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them, having indulged in the same way as these in gross sexual immorality, and having gone after strange flesh are exhibited as an example in undergoing the punishment of eternal fire yet in the same way, these men also by dreaming. So in the same way as those from Sodom and, uh, and those angels that are fallen in the same way, these men also by dreaming defile the flesh and reject authority and blaspheme glorious ones. So think about that. Blaspheming glorious ones. Rebuking the devil, commanding him? You do not. Satan is the most powerful angel. And we are not to rebuke him and command him to do anything because he is still God's Satan. Until he is thrown into that lake of fire. He is still operating. Under the permission of God. And fulfilling God's purposes. Even though he is evil. Right? So. Look what it says. But Michael the archangel. When he disputing with the devil. Was arguing about the body of Moses. Did not dare pronounce against him. A blasphemous judgment. But said the Lord rebuke you. So. That's different than what charismatics do, first of all. But even the angel Michael doesn't rebuke him. Doesn't say, I rebuke you. He says, The Lord rebuke you. Goes on. But these men, these men, who he's currently talking about, blaspheme the things which they do not understand, and the things which they know by instinct, like unreasoning animals. By these things they are destroyed. Woe to them, for they have gone the way of Cain, and for pay they have poured themselves into the error of Balaam and perished in the rebellion of Korah. These are the men who are hidden reefs in your love feasts. They feast with you without fear, caring for themselves, clouds without water, carried along by winds, autumn trees without fruit, doubly dead, uprooted. Wild waves of the sea, casting up their own shame like foam, wandering stars for whom the black darkness has been reserved forever. So it goes on. But I think what's really important there, and I have to deal with this quickly, is these are men who are hidden, hidden reefs in your love feasts. They're in there, and they're hidden. You're not always going to notice them. They sneak in, and then they deceive, but they are clouds without water. They are clouds with no substance. And so we must use discernment to figure this stuff out. But anyway, guys, that was just a little intro to Laura, who I'm going to have on and talk to her about her experiences and what happened to her at some point. And I just wanted to leave you with that. So now I'm ending the live stream, guys. So have a great night. I'll see you next week.